All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. You're listening to Oilers Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. One hour straight hockey talk with Dan, Rick, Tyler, and Bag Milk starts now. Welcome, everybody. Oilers Nation Radio, episode 203. Gang's all here. Bag Milk, Tyler, Rick, Dan. Unfortunately, it's closing time, gentlemen. Our boys got knocked out last night. We're going to talk about it. We're going to break it all down. We're going to look ahead a little bit. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to give a shout out to our friends at DoorDash. It's Tuesday. After a playoff run like that, the body and the mind might feel tired. I know mine does. Time to fuel up. Our friends at DoorDash. Uh, so I just wanted to start talking about... Just started off the podcast with a look at last night's game. Obviously, game four. Oilers had the lead. Two separate two-goal leads. Couldn't hang on to it, unfortunately. Avs had a four-goal third period. Led them to overtime. And once there, Arturi Lekanen closed it out. I thought we might get lucky with a high-stick call on the first deflection. We did not. Uh, and that was all she wrote, unfortunately. So, boys, where do we want to start? Rick, you were in the building. Tyler, you were in the building. So I'm going to start with both of you guys first. Uh, I think early on walking into that rink, even like the pregame hype up, it wasn't quite as loud as other games. Like there was two empty seats in front of me for the whole game. Um, I, I think there was a nervous energy in, in that building. Um, and that's understandable. And then the Avs scored, made it one, nothing. It was honestly pretty quiet, but then that second period really woke everyone up and the crowd started to come alive a little bit. In my opinion, things started to get going and, uh, I even in my head started to have, have a little bit of belief when they got up by two, I was like, damn, like if they're going to win tonight, like 
Oh, if you stun him in Colorado, like I, I was, <laughs> I was dreaming of that building on a, for a potential game six already. Like I was getting way ahead of myself, obviously, but like, I was too, I was like, I just, sorry to cut you off. I just like, they were up by two Nugent Hopkins scored. And then Connor scored right after. I'm just like, oh, we're fucking pushing this to game five. Yeah. Let's go. And then just anyways, where I cut you off. Go ahead. Yeah. And I was just saying like, you could tell like the belief in the arena was starting to pick up a little bit, right? Like people were getting excited again. And you know, that third period was just absolutely bananas. And you know, then things ended in OT and the place was quiet. I mean, it gave, we gave them, the fans gave a good ovation at the end to the team, but um, yeah, just like super disappointing walking out of there because you know, if they would have just gotten pumped like five, nothing, I probably would have walked out of the arena and been like, ah, season's over, like tough break. But, you know, they teased us one more time. They gave us that little push there and uh, it made the game more fun to watch. I'll say that, but um, it ended disappointing. Rick, you were in the building too. What do you think? Yeah, it was tough, man. I've only, I, I went to uh, game one against LA. So it was uh, probably a little more excitement in that game. Cause I do think everyone's a little bit, uh, a little nervous. I know for the whole day, um, I was probably a little, a little nervous, a little, a little less energy than I normally have. But once I got in there, I started to get going again. Once we started getting close to the, the puck drop, I started to feel it. And, you know, when Tyler says it was quiet, like quote unquote quiet, it was kind of like playoff quiet, yeah, right? yeah. not regular, not regular season quiet. I don't know, man. It's just, uh, it's one of those things. It's, it, it's, it's fun to go to it. Uh, it hurts to see them uh, not pull it out, but what can you do? What can you do? Dan, you and I watching at home. What do you think? Well, I mean, to Tyler and Rick's point, the even the broadcast called out the uh, crowd noise in the first period. And then uh, Kessler, I think probably, or not Kessler, BX got a bunch of hate online, I think, during that period. And what so did he say? He gave, he gave he more credit. He said the a, building was quiet. Yeah, he said the building was quiet, but he also said the building was quiet on Saturday, which I found surprising because I was there on Saturday and yep, it was it was not quiet on Saturday. No, it there was, was there was moments, you know. I mean, yeah. like, but for the most part, like I think about when McLeod scored in the third period, that place was electric. Yep. Yeah, and so for me, you know, like when it comes to the to me, when it comes to the game four in a reverse sweep that's really just on the players to get the fans into that game. And, you know, for the first period, they didn't do that for you guys. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't really put that on you, but for me, it's just, you know, for got, sure. uh, the fans are just a little, a little, a little nerves, nervous, a little yeah. gun yeah. shy. And as, as soon as you guys, as soon as the first goal was scored, the crowd was right there and whole oh boy, did I think the, was, I felt like the ass felt it too. It was loud. Like even before the game started, it was, it was still loud. loud yeah. I wasn't yep. there for the Calgary or, you know, whatever other ones, but it was still loud. Like it was, yep. you could, you could feel it. Yeah. Well, and and, the and thing I should about, say, the sorry. Oilers fans is for better or worse. Oilers fans know the game very, very well. Yeah. So it's not like Tyler and you'd probably agree when we were down in Los Angeles where sometimes I just felt like that crowd was cheering for nothing in particular. Um, you don't get that here. So I, I think back to game four against Calgary, where that 132 f- foot goal went in, that place went from buzzing to January game on a Tuesday quiet like that. Okay. And that's not because they're not excited or whatever. It's just, we have a pretty good idea of what's going on, you know? And I think last night you look at the situation the others were in all day. We were hearing about only four teams have ever come back from and still that way. 
a three goal deficit. Like we heard it all day. Like, you know, the history, you know, the stats, you know, the job that had to be done. So nerves, but I didn't watching it on TV. Yeah. A little bit quiet, but you could tell the crowd was still buzzing. Like after Nugent Hopkins goal, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick or Tyler, but that place had to be a madhouse. It was. It was going. Yeah, dude, that place was, it was, it was fun. It was great. I loved every second. Well, maybe not the last second, but um, (laughs) it it was fantastic, man. It's, 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 it is that's Edmonton in the playoffs. You know, I've. I don't think I've been to another fucking playoff game anywhere else. But you, you, you hear about it from any other player. You hear about it from everywhere. This is the loudest arena out there. This is the city you want to be in in the playoffs. And, and the fans brought it, and the team brought it, and it's just it wasn't our time. You, I'm glad you said that, Rick, because I have been to a Western Conference Final of the Chicago Blackhawks and the Anaheim Ducks in Chicago, and I can tell you for a fact that the the Saturday game was louder at points than Chicago ever was, and they call that the madhouse on Madison. The only thing I was afraid of in the Chicago arena was them knowing that I wasn't a Blackhawks fan because, holy crap, there was some threats thrown at some Ducks (laughs) fans around me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even just like last night, uh, Frank Saravalli from dailyfaceoff.com joined me on the Beatcast. And first of all, I was surprised to get the text from him that he wanted to jump onto the Beatcast. But then two, he talked about how part of he felt lucky to be able to cover some games in Edmonton and experience it because he said that place was absolutely bananas against uh, Calgary in the second round. And he's just like, that's without question, one of the best atmospheres he's ever seen. So for a guy who's been to a lot of barns, you kind of take that, you know? That's a guy who's been to like every Stanley Cup final for the last like 10 years. Yeah, exactly. So to have him say that Rogers place was electric, the crowd was great. You know, you take it, but over and aside the the crowd, what they were or were not doing. What other takeaways did you have from game four? I thought for me, I thought the Oilers looked incredibly nervous through the first period. Understandable. Started to settle in in the second. And then the third period, the, first of all, the Avs cranked things up. The Oilers made some weird choices with the puck. Uh, Mike Smith, sometimes Schmitty battles, sometimes Schmitty wanders. And that happened last night. I didn't like the Rantanen goal that put them ahead 5-4. I thought that was a stoppable puck. But ultimately, the better team won the series. Yeah, like I just, for me heading into the series, you know, Colorado was a, they're a juggernaut. They're a damn good hockey team. And it just felt like they were probably going to need the Oilers would need to play well, yes, but they were also going to need some breaks, right? You would need the stars to kind of align on some nights to sneak out some wins. And last night started to feel like it was maybe going to be one of those nights because, you know, they were getting the scoring and there were some depth guys coming through for them and all of that stuff. And they just really didn't get the goaltending in that hockey game. And I, you know, I have a tough time being like, oh, Smith played terrible, but you just needed him to be better than 857 in that hockey game, right? Like if he would have been, if, if he gives up one less goal, they win the game and I, I just really do think that's the one game I'm kind of looking at Mike Smith and going like damn man like you could have could have extended this series if you weren't 856 or whatever I said yeah I don't I don't know I, I, I get it and those numbers that you can't deny it but I, I, I can't sit here and bring up one one person's name and say hey this or that like Sure, maybe he made one more save, but what if this guy made one more goal or this guy, you know, stopped the, the, the attack from outside the blue line? Like, there's just so many of those little things there. Um, I don't know, man. You know, one thing that's getting that night that, that, that bugged me a lot, and it's, it's, it's pretty much on, on on par for me, at least this playoffs, is 
that was a fucking boarding call. Oh, I guess yeah. McKinnon. Oh, it's yeah. just, and it's a holding. It's, like how? Like, it's, I, not, it's not. It's not going to change the series at all. But that's a fucking. It's the exact same damn thing that uh, that we went through with Kane. And it's a holding it's, call. Holding well, is the comical part. It's, it's holding. Yeah, so yeah, I found it interesting that after, well, first of all, Gabriel Landeskog whining and crying that he had never seen such a horrible hit and you learn that kind of shit when you're a kid. Meanwhile, first of all, he got, he hit Kirby Doc from behind right in the numbers earlier in the season. So one, shut up. Two, he did it the very next game and almost instantly, both Tyler and I sent out the exact same tweet. Oh, I thought you get sick to your stomach for hits from behind. And then to have it called as a holding and him rolling around on the ice, like he just got sniped from section 212 or something like is just, that was gross. The, the- like I thought it was Landis Cog was First of all, dirtier than I expected. Nathan McKinnon was dirtier than I expected. Obviously, both really solid players. But on the flip side, Kale McCarr, a hell of a hockey player. He didn't need to do that shit. He just went out and performed. And for yeah. as much as it was annoyed to see two of Colorado's best get into the mud and play those games, whereas you didn't see Connor going for people's injuries. You didn't see Leon going for that shit. McCarr didn't do any of that. So I want to also give him some credit because he was the flip side of the coin for the other two. Um, stars, I guess, for, for, for Colorado. And I don't know well, if I I'm, said this last podcast or not, but if Nathan McKinnon played for a Canadian hockey team, he'd have a hell of a lot more penalties called against him. <laughs> it was weird. Like, the, but then at the same point, like I have, like I obviously the, the, even Woodcroft pointed out the penalty discrepancy throughout the series last night before the game started, it was 15 to six for the avalanche or something like that. Yeah. But at the same point last night, the Oilers had five chances on the man advantage they only got one goal. The avalanche had two and they got two goals. Now for the, for the Makar one, perfect shot credit to Makar. But immediately before that, Hyman gets his legs taken out right in front of the ref. And like, how is As that he's going not for the tripping? puck. How is that As not tripping? For the puck. How is that not even like a whistle? There's nothing. And then they go and score two seconds later. So it was just Tyler talked about luck and getting a bounce. Well, the Oilers didn't get luck. They didn't get a bounce and they didn't get a call. Yeah, well, and I'm and not saying that's the be all end all for why they lost. You got to give Avs credit; like they're a hell of a hockey team, but like certainly that contributed to it. And also, well, and sorry, like, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead. It's just the it's the timeliness of the calls for me. It's the you know it's it's inconsistent. And then when you expect the teams to be able to play it out and and have the play called, Derek Ryan gets called for a, a phantom call. If anything, it was a match penalty for both of them. Like they should have each gotten two minutes, but. You know, instead, it's just the timeliness of those calls. And again, you know, you mentioned it before the the ledger was swung heavily in the avalanches favor in games two and game three. Did the Oilers create some of that themselves? Yes, absolutely. But you can't look at me then and say what the avalanche were doing in game four was, you know, above the board when everything we were doing was below board. So it's uh, yeah, it's just the consistency. It's not the only reason the Oilers lost. There's not one reason that the Oilers lost, as Rick said, but for me, the inconsistency of the refereeing and the timeliness of it is what pissed me off. The Derek Ryan penalty, like, again, you could do that one or you could do the Nugent Hopkins one in game three. Yeah, game three. Like, the Oilers 
didn't get a weak call go didn't have a weak call go their way but there was just these random moments where maybe it's game management i don't know but the refs just threw their arms up and seemingly didn't really know why they were calling a penalty and then we're like oh shit better throw something edmonton at edmonton here like i don't know super soft that yeah that Derek ryan one specifically i mean they maybe win the game if that doesn't get called right and it's just it's mind-numbing that calls that bad can be made at such critical moments i want to redo this series when we're fully healthy too uh, oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, I mean, we'll get into the injuries in a second. Um, obviously, just, Darnell Nurse yeah. came out, had a, uh, a a torn hip flexor. I've had a bruise in that area before, and I had a hard time walking and moving that side of my body. How the fact that he made it through three rounds of the playoffs with a tear, <laughs> and basically what Frank told me last night on the B-Cast is a significant tear. I have no idea how he was moving. Zero. I have a friend right now right now as we speak that as a torn hip flexor he was carted around uh at the hospital when he was getting evaluated in a wheelchair the exact same thing so i don't understand how darnell nurse did that but we'll get that to to that in a second. Um, dry sidle like that was the amount of times in this series where leon dry hobbled off the ice and i was like damn he's done like fuck that well, was the one and the then playoffs. he's back like two shifts later and you're like what the hell the playoffs they've been going after him everywhere we saw yeah. the clip in calgary the guy the guy is being held together by shoelace and gum string <laughs> and the poor guy is the poor guy you know he battled it out and he had four fucking assists in a game in an elimination game on one leg like it's insane to me i know we have the the availability coming up here as we're i think as we're recording yeah so he was asked about the injury today and and he won't say what it is he just says quote i'm sure most of you saw the video and can see what type of injury it was he won't say it i love that there's no excuses from dry saddle and i think that's just that's something to love about him just seeing the way him and connor matured or even progressed throughout the playoffs leon not saying what the injury was that just tells that just shows me a player that's got zero excuses. He's not, he doesn't have time for it. They lost. doesn't matter how he was hurt. And like Dan said, he still managed to put up four assists last night, all of which were primary assists. So hell of a performance Oof. by that guy. I want to go back to Mike Smith for a second, just because I agree with Rick. It's hard to hang the series loss on yeah. Mike Smith, but where I get frustrated, first of all, it's not his fault that they lost the series, nope. but where I get frustrated is he would have moments like in game three where he was standing on his head and fantastic. But then the comfort goal goes in and that's one where you look at him and go, how are you stopping one timers point blank? And then that one, a clear shot from the circles goes through. And I think what frustrates me from Mike Smith is not how we played or the goals that went in, but the timing of some of the goals that went in, he can be all world at times, but then there's other ones where they're absolute gimmies and we couldn't get those saves. And I think for me, that's the frustration. And that's as far we as we also couldn't get it. those goals too. But it, we're talking about our goal, you know, and but I don't know, but like the, the, the bad luck right there, we couldn't get the good luck on the other end of the ice too. Yep. Think of that one in game three that just like sat in the crease or sat on the goal line. It was like, so like <laughs> that doesn't go in, but in well, game three, there was the one that nurse deflected in and the game four, the one that got the abs back in the, it. Fucking Asmus Anderson. Yeah, from, yeah. You know, you from call the him, dressing room. Just call him Asmus. 
No, I like I like Asmus. <laughs> Asmus is fitting. Um, that might, part is, of, uh, might be part of the broken voice right now. Yeah, but even uh, in the last game, like Devon Taves shoots one and goes like in off Cody CC, and it's like home oh, and like yeah, barely under Smith's luck. glove. Like so much bad luck, and I get that, but also like you need a goalie. And goal, the yeah. Ranton and goal can't go in. Random goal can't go in. a clear shot from the top of the circle. The Landis got a goal, the one that bounced around the crease for that's like, horrible luck. Uh, it's it's bad luck, but if you're if you have a calm goalie. He stops that, right? And but, but that's just Mike Smith, I guess. You live and die with him. That's that's the thing for me is that that's that statement right there, Tyler, is what it is encompassing is is the issue at hand. The Colorado Avalanche had Pavel Francouz as their starting goaltender, and they thought he wasn't good enough to get them past us, I guess, or past the Western Conference Finals and into the Stanley Cup Finals. So they went and made a transaction. Did they need Darcy Kemper? No, not necessarily. But they made an oper- they made it a, a move to improve their goaltending. If Mike Smith was your number one goaltender, why don't you have a better backup than Miko Koskinen? So, like for me. Mike Smith got us exactly where I thought he was going to get us to. I I think I said the Western conference finals in our early preseason predictions. I, I didn't see another goalie. All right. Sorry. I thought there was another goalie going to come in and be able to help out. Didn't happen. And so for me, yeah, this is the team that we thought they were. And this is kind of, you know, Mike Smith did an amazing job to get us where he was. But at the end of the day, the Colorado avalanche are just better than Mike Smith is as a goalie. And, you know, Yes, those some of those bounces went in, but the, the Avalanche were putting up 40 shots on this team, whether we were up one nothing in the series or down three nothing in the series. The Avalanche just kept coming and they kept coming because they knew Mike Smith was gonna bend before he broke. Or break after he bent. Or a break, with, yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? With Mike Smith, it's just one of those things where the Ranton and goal. So of the goals that went in last night, the Ranton and one bothered me. And the third goal, I don't remember who scored it now, bothered me because him wandering out to the corner and then throwing the puck up to the blue line, that was a needless play. That was the Landeskog goal I was talking about. He fires it at the ref, even though the ref is standing there. So it's like, what are you doing? And then the play goes around. And again, like this shouldn't have even been in possession in the offensive zone, but there's that whack and he doesn't stop the shot cleanly. And that allows the play to continue. I know he threw a little hissy fit here after because I'm watching the highlight, but like, again, stop the puck and hold on to it kind of thing and said, no, it bleeds behind him. Nurse has to lunge. Like it's just chaos. And sometimes that chaos works for the Oilers because he makes the sprawling saves and he does all that wild shit and it fires up the building and that's good. But I also think, you know, going forward, if we're going to talk about next season eventually, and maybe we should save this, but like having just a calm goalie who's going to give you nine ten to nine fifteen consistently, probably what they need. I like. Yeah. I don't mind. The, I don't like. I don't mind the puck handling though. There's good. There's bad. I know, there's, the puck handling. He's huge. nailed a couple. He's nailed a couple of uh, uh, primary assists. Um, what he does to save the defenseman is huge. Yep. Some of those, you know, sometimes they're going to come back and bite you a little bit. And so I, we've gotten so much good out of it. I'm not going to sit there and, and focus on the bad too too much. And but, yes, it would have been able to outlet to any other goalie, but Mike Smith in that play that he did there in the third period where he just drops it back to Smith hard. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm looking at that one right now. And the thing that bothers me about it is he had a simpler play. Yeah. You didn't have to throw it up at the, up, up the line like that. It's just that caused chaos that got the abs to within one goal. And again, two of six goals bothered me. And I guess when 33% of them bother you, that's probably not great. But this, this series isn't on Mike Smith. All I'm saying is just, man, 
the timing of some of them that went in, especially after he looked so good at other times, that's just, that's what bothered me. It's Did you guys like the, the no goal review on, on that goal though? The, where Landis Cog hit his leg and pushed him towards the net. I thought initially, I thought that they were going to review it, but then I looked at it again. And I thought it was a little soft. So, I thought yeah. they might as well, but then I completely understand why Jay Woodcroft did it right. because I don't think he wanted to have another Kale McCarr game yeah. one scenario where the goal counts and then they're shorthanded with the opportunity to swing. So I didn't blame him whatsoever for, uh, for not making that call. A bigger problem I had was immediately after that goal was that the Oilers had a power play again, dirty play on McKinnon, a knee on knee on uh, Cody CC, I think, or no, mm-hmm. Zach Hyman, dirty play by McKinnon. The Oilers couldn't punish them for it on the power play and credit to the abs. They were very aggressive, but like we needed that one. And it's just like game three, Bouchard hits the post, comes down, scores the other way. That's the way hockey goes sometimes, but man, like Tyler said, you sometimes you need a break and the others got none of them. I, I also thought that Lekkonen goal, like the winner, like did he not heist did what I again I didn't have I didn't have the broadcast to explain anything, yes. but didn't that that's contact above the shoulder, right? Like that shouldn't count. I don't know. I, I thought it was a high stick, but I, they said what what did they say, Dan? It was like inconclusive or whatever, because there was a booth review on that. I think because he played the puck afterwards, it was it was like a discretionary thing for the referees to make the call on. But because he then the puck got knocked down by the high stick, quote unquote, uh, then played the puck and shot it in the net. I don't think that part was reviewable. See, from my angle, I didn't think, I didn't think it was a high stick. Like when they showed the replay, it was close. It was definitely close. I was holding my breath, hoping for it. But um, when I watched the replay on the big screen, I, uh, I turned around right away and said, no, that's, that's a goal. I'm just cruising Twitter right now. And I guess they just said inconclusive last night. Yeah. which makes sense because there wasn't an angle really that shows it as a clear high stick. It's, it's damn close. I feel like very, it's, very yeah. Close. I feel like we've seen this before where, where the puck was played before the shot with a high stick and the team like demanded that anyways, I don't know. I'm just but ultimately at the end of the day, really um, the others had two separate two goal leads in the third period and they couldn't close. Yep. You know, um, high stick or not, no T it shouldn't have got that, far in the first place, but here we are. Credit to the team for battling back in the third and, and trying to, you know, like that, that Cassian goal was, uh, was I'm sure was bedlam within the, within the arena too. So I I just watched the replay because I hadn't seen the goal yet. Cause so many people were already standing up in front of me that I didn't see it go in. Of the overtime goal. No, of the Cassian goal. Oh, like it was just insane in there. There's one of those ones that, yeah, where, uh, where, you know, in, in a previous game, we've left that puck all, sitting in the blue paint, but he put that on away. Um, so I didn't notice this until the third period, but Ben Scrivens was sitting behind me. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, I want to ask this. So I had kind of leaned over and like said a few things in the third period. And the guy he was with looked at me and was like, do you know who he is? And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure most people here would know who Ben Scrivens is. Um, and I was like, yes, I do. So Cassian scores. We're going nuts. Everyone's high-fiving. And I high-five him. And I was like, that's your boy. <laughs> and he goes, uh, <laughs> his line was, uh, <laughs> he goes, that was a good trade. <laughs> uh, Ultimately, it was. Really. It was, yeah. Yeah, but no. uh, yeah. Anyways, that was uh, that was funny. And then before <laughs> before overtime, I was like, "Hey, man, can we get a pick pick together so people don't think I made this up?" The weirdest <laughs> one for me thinking about Ben Scrivens is he was at game what was it two against LA, I think, 
and they showed Luke Gazdick on the screen chugging a beer. Oh, ben yeah, Skirvin's right him. beside him. <laughs> Nobody knew that that was Ben Skirvin's. I found that to be the weirdest one. But shout out to Ben Skirvin's for attending some other games. Good for yep. you, pal. He is <sighs> really good at the incognito look, though. Yeah, like even in that photo I posted of the two of us, it's kind of like yeah, he's got the mustache, he's got the hat, he wears all black, like <laughs> just chilling. <sighs> Any final thoughts there? on Game Four, boys? Before we get to the oodle noodle delicious debate. You know, it, it was sad. Like I said earlier in the morning on Vancouver radio, I was like, ah, I feel, cause I was, I was bummed out in the morning that they were down three, nothing. I was like, ah, it feels like I'm going to a funeral tonight. And, uh, you know, it ultimately kind of was for the Oilers season, but that doesn't take away from the magic of the run. So I, I was disappointed leaving disappointed that night, but I wake up today and I'm not like super, super bummed out today. I'm, I'm kind of looking back and being like, man, like what a year that was. You were emotional on the beat cast last night. Yeah, I was. I was really emotional. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm sad that it's over. But like, you know, for I guess for all of us, too. But for me specifically, like 2017 was cool, but it wasn't this cool. Um, Like 06, I don't really remember. So like I got to see the city kind of on fire in a way that I've never really experienced it. I got to do stuff that was just like unbelievable, you know, going to L.A. and all that. Like it was it was just a wild few months and like to sit there last night and be like, God, it's over. Like we don't get to do that again, like for 12 months, let's hope, right. Or 11 months, let's hope. Um, but we don't get to do that again. Like I, I was super bummed out last night. I can't wait for October. Me too. That's, One of the nice that's... parts about this is that, man, this is a short off season. <laughs> this is a good yep. team though. This is a really good team. It was, it was already going to be a shorter off season just because of the way the season broke down. And then it's even shorter still because the Oilers went along on it. But yeah, to echo what Tyler said, like, I mean, there's so much, there's so many storylines in this season that we can look back on and smile about, uh, you know, you think of, of La Bamba and you think of little Ben Stelter and, and the Woodcroft, the Woodcroft story, we're going to have a full season of Jay Woodcroft. Now, like there's a lot to look forward to for this team. It sucks. And it's going to be a bummer for a little bit. And then, uh, and then it's on to business for next year for us and, and uh, lots more coming for next season. That was my message last night in the Bcast too. It's like, yeah, we can break down the game and all that shit, but like, there's plenty of time for that. I just wanted to kind of look back on the postseason and be like, man, what a fucking run the last six weeks or whatever it's been. have just been so much fun. And to think of where it started and go into LA and then beating Calgary in five games and then having their fans do mental gymnastics about why the Oilers suck, even though they were in the Western conference finals, the whole thing was fun. So I hope if you're listening to this and you're a little bit bummed out today, know that we share the feeling, but at the same point, man, what a ride, what a good time. And like we also said last night on the B cast, Tyler, a huge chunk. The bulk of this team is coming back again. Yeah. We'll get into that. Well, let's get it off for the delicious debate for our friends at Oodle Noodle, 17 locations and counting as the world domination continues for them. Check them out. Huh. Maybe on DoorDash tonight. If you're hungry, Tyler was our delicious debate today. Are you, and I worded this a little poorly, maybe it might be hard to follow, but are you more or less confident in the direction of this team than you were 12 months ago? Rick? More, I guess, but I mean, I've, I've always been in the last 12 months, the end of last season. Yeah, you know what? Last, last summer, I was a little bit uh, anxious, a little bit worried. I was confident that uh, Holland was going to do something. Um, 
But no, I'm fully on board, man. I think we have a really good team. I'm confident going forward. I don't know who the GM is going to be by this time next year, by October, whether it's Holland or whether it's Keith or, you know, somebody new. But um, the way they're going right now, I'm, I'm, I'm confident about, uh, about the direction of this team right now. Dan? Uh, to me, every team that doesn't win a Stanley Cup has a question marks on their team. Um, do my question marks line up with Ken Holland? They haven't in the past, and I don't expect them to necessarily line up in the future that way. Uh, I've been, I think you guys can all attest, I've been goalie, goalie, goalie heavy. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what this offseason brings. There's rumors flying around already, and we haven't even haven't even really put the season to bed yet. Um, so, you know, like who knows? But yeah, for me, um, my question marks still remain from the off season into this season, from last off season into this season. Um, we'll see what he does. Uh, but I, but I was definitely, uh, pleasantly surprised with a lot of the additions and a lot of the movement that Ken Holland was overseen this season. Uh, to answer the question, I'm, I feel pretty good about where the team's at. Um, even last night, Frank Saravalli said, listen, guys, we've got, there's something special building here. So for Oilers fans, you should be excited. Um, having Connor and Leon go to the Western Conference Finals, you know they're taking lessons there about what it takes, first of all, to get there and what it takes to get the next step ahead. Uh, I thought Zach Hyman, you couldn't ask for a better season for that guy. He was everything for the Oilers, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs. Um, I've got questions. I'm curious to see what kind of moves we're going to make here to try and clear up some cap space. Um, Looking at a guy like Evander Kane, everybody knows where, um, where he's at. Last night, Frank says he doesn't think that he'll be back. He has to go chase the bag. But when asked about it today, he said, a few months ago, I had the opportunity to pick where I wanted to go. Edmonton was interested in me and I was interested in them. We had some success moving forward. There are many things to factor into the decision. I've really enjoyed my time here. I thought it went really well, better than I even I expected. This has to be the best organization I've ever played for. So there are many things that factor in. So, you know... Why they're part of it. There's what else is he going to say as he's going into free agency? But part of it is I also agree that there's lots to like about this team right now, and it's going to be exciting off season. I think that if they make some moves correctly, that it's going to push them forward. What I worry about is maybe just some of the panic stuff we saw after 2017. I get a completely different scenario, different cap, blah blah blah, all that. But um, that concerns me a little bit. Uh, I hope they don't overthink some of the things that they have to do, but ultimately I feel pretty good about where we're at. Tyler. I'm going to say I'm slightly less confident than I was 12 months ago. And here's my logic for that. Um, if you go back to last June, right? So the Oilers swept by the Winnipeg jets are heading into an off season where they had $25 million in cap space. And I was very optimistic. I said, this is going to be the biggest off season in potentially the club's history. This is their chance to take that next step and become a Stanley cup contender and get better. Cause they finally have money to blow. Right. And they went and they, yes, they got better. Right. Even though I disagreed with some of the moves at the time and disagree with some of them looking back now, they got better. And right now I'm sitting here going, okay, the direction of this team has to keep going forward. Right. The, the line has to keep moving, going up. How are they going to get better? How is day one, October, whatever, or at any point in the regular season, how is that team going to be better than the team we see right now? Because they only have $11 million to spend with Cluffbaum on LTIR. So how are you going to replace the production of Andrew Kane gave you down the stretch? 
Are you going to bring him back? Are you going to get a full season out of him? I don't know. How are you going to do that while signing the three RFA forwards, Pugliar, V. McLeod, and Yamamoto? How are you going to get Kane figured out, get the RFAs figured out, and bring back Brett Kulak? And then how are you going to get Kane figured out, get the RFAs done, bring back Brett Kulak, and upgrade the goaltending when you already have two goalies under contract? And again, you only have $11 million to do it. So there's just, there's a lot of, there, this summer will not be as sexy as last summer was, or at least the talk leading up to this summer will not be as sexy. And, you know, you're not going to the store with, uh, with an unlimited budget here and a big shopping spree coming. You got to sell off a little bit before you do your shopping. And that just makes me nervous. I'm just, I'm not like, I was very confident when they got swept from Winnipeg, they were going to come back in October and be a better hockey team. I'm, I'm just struggling right now to do the math on how they're going to come back in October better than they were last night with that roster. I think some of the youth coming up is going to be better than some of the guys we end up losing. And then it's going to be up to the GM to do something. You didn't see anything you liked out of the three minutes of Dylan Holloway last night, Tyler? Is that all he ended up playing, eh? I think he's he's going to be here and probably play close to 82 games next season. I agree. Um, there, you just have to look at things like the questions that I have is, has Zach Cassian played his last game as an oiler? Probably. Probably have to think so. Or at least if you're talking about clearing cap space, well, there's, how do you get that done? What about a guy like Warren Fogle? I'm not saying he was horrible by any means at all, but if you look at the contract, yeah, it's pricey. You know, what happens with Duncan Keith? If Duncan Keith all of a sudden decides, you know what? The old body can't take it anymore, which I doubt. I don't think we're going to get that lucky. All of a sudden, yay. You know, but you're right, Tyler. It's going to be... See, and like, I love to believe that he would um, in the sense that we just need the the cap space, but I just, I can't see us getting that. I just can't see us getting that lucky. Yeah. And look, I know we were talking about this before, but the Mike Smith thing, and you said um, something about you don't get his money. Uh, I saw somewhere, I don't know what exactly what I was reading, but it says right here that uh, because his, uh, his salary next season is higher than his AAV, if he retires, it all comes, it all goes away. I think, well, we could, we should probably ask like a cat person about it, but I just thought 35 year old contracts, regardless of what happens, they just stick on your books. I, will, like I, said, I, I, just, I just saw a little, I saw a little blurb right there and I don't like I don't know who it's from, whose article it's from, but it says I've heard rumblings that Smith is retired is considering retirement. His salary next season, 2.5 is higher than his AAV, uh, which is 2.2. So if he does retire, he won't count against the cap. That was from Gregor. But then, but then you got a, uh, you've got the other issue of, well, who's your other goalie? Yeah. Cause like, like right, have a lot of cap space. Like you're not risking losing Stuart Skinner on waivers next October. Like that would be no, stupid. No, Skinner's Skinner's in order next year. Yeah. So on a scale of one to 10, how confident are you October 10th? If it's Smith and Skinner is your two goalies. For me, where I get worried is not necessarily having Smith as the the other half of the tandem. It's just his body, man. Yeah, you know, he, yeah. Smith's gonna play. He's got to play like forty games in the regular season. He he's got to be healthy. And to mm-hmm. this point, over the last couple of years, he has not been. So that's the biggest concern for me. You know. Mm-hmm. But you're right, Tyler. Uh, Ken Holland's got some work to do. I don't know how he's going to do it, yeah. but he's got work to do. This is not going to be an easy offseason for the Oilers. They need to upgrade. Like 
the fact that they were able to bring Kane in in January on what was it like a two and a half million dollar, whatever, whatever, like that is amazing value for the player he was and the, what he gave them. I find it hard to believe that they're going to get that kind of production from anywhere else. And you're not going to get it in free agency. Um, so they're going to need guys like McLeod to step up. I think he can. He started the season playing like what, six, seven minutes per game. And then he mm-hmm. finished last night with like 20 plus. So yep. we need a bunch of those. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Like the names, I'm just going to quickly rattle them off. If let's say Smith is gone and you need someone to pair with Skinner, your UFA options in order of games played this season are Kemper, Flurry, Campbell, okay, Miko, not an option. Um, you got Ville Huso, you got a Scott Wedgwood, uh, Martin Jones, Kevin Lankinen, Craig Anderson, Thomas Grace. Like, I don't know, unless you're going to nab Kemper. Like, I think Campbell's going back to Toronto. I think Flurry's probably going to Mini or Colorado or something. One of those American Cup contenders. And, I mean, Huso might... Huso's a risk. I think it's a big risk to run Huso Skinner next year. Does this... Does the fact that they, they got as far as they did this year, does that change any UFA's minds about coming here next year? I, I just... I'm still not... Like, is that ri- going to change... And I don't know if I want the guy, but it, is that going to change Flurry's mind? Go, okay, you know what? Maybe this isn't as bad as I thought it was. Maybe there is some potential here. Maybe, you know, if I was there, with there, you know, last year in June, it wouldn't be a sweep against Colorado. I, Probably. Yeah. But like, maybe I should say, but like, I just, you know, he's going to go back to Vegas or Pittsburgh for no money or something like that. I, I, just, I have a sneaking suspicion. So here's my theory. Colorado has money to play with a little bit this summer. They got projected cap space, $26.4 million, right? They will spend it wisely though. They need to spend it wisely because Nathan McKinnon needs a new deal in 2023. So the Slew Slew needs a new deal. So he's at 6.3 right now. I would imagine he's going to be right around 12, right? Oh, easy. Mark on Mark Andre Fleury, one year, 6 million bucks to Colorado. And then at the end of that season, that money rolls into the McKinnon extension and they're good. That's my theory. I could see it, but like, they're also, you know, Nazem Kadri, he's probably not going back. Cause he's going to, he had a very good season, probably going to chase the, chase the bag a little bit. You know, they've got some pieces that they got to sign that are big items. So they kind of, I don't know. Uh, on the Smith thing, Frank Saravalli just texted me uh, and said he can retire. No issues. No cap hit. Oh, is he listening? To, is he listening to us live right now? Yeah. He, I actually just always have him on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Just That's a smart. Quick phone call. And I like that. He's, yeah, he's always yeah. listening in on my day to day. So, well, that'd be interesting, you know, and the really interesting one to me is Duncan Keith, because if you look at cap friendly, um, he doesn't really get paid a whole lot next year. It's a buck and a half. Uh, yeah. Let me look at, to get the exact number here. Duncan Keith will get oh, fuck off. Uh, one and a half. Yeah. So for a guy who's got a career earning of $75 million, he's got cup rings. He is a little bit older. How's the body feel? You know, Going to the Western Conference Finals, maybe that juices him up at the other end of the spectrum. But how's the body feel? Because 
that would solve a lot of issues. <laughs> well, hey, I mean, Tyler, if, you, if you got Frank on the phone, you should ask him how Oscar's doing over there in Sweden right now. Man, don't even tease people with that. Dare to dream. Yeah. Um, but Dare like, dream. just for the sake of having some fun here on a, on a Tuesday on the show, Duncan Keith is gone. All of a sudden, you're up to $20 million. Kulak's back. Done. That's a Which done he should deal. Be. Should be, anyways. Should be. You're getting Kane now. And you're still have 9 million bucks. You probably go long-term then with one of your RFAs. You probably have money to go get a really good goalie too. Like that Keith swing would just be everything. It'd be huge. But it's not happening. Okay. Put a little, here's a, here's a little uh, downer right now. Has anyone looked into the uh, recovery time of a torn hip flexor? Uh, I don't think he, I think definitely he won't be ready for the start of the season. I, mid-November, December. I think. Don't take that as me reporting. The internet says uh, up to eight weeks. weeks. Up to to eight weeks weeks for a severe hip injury. And then, yeah. (laughs) Up to eight weeks? Let's go, Daryl. But he needs surgery, right? Yeah, he needs surgery. So um, So, me and Dan are being Google doctors right now. So yes, WebMD uh, tells me. Don't ask. Yeah, you know, mid November gets me excited. Nah, yeah, Web maybe mid November was a little aggressive, but if he, but you got to remember, like surgery and then like recovery is one thing. Recovering to the point of being a professional athlete. athlete is another thing. Yeah, but they also are professional athletes, so they do bounce back a little faster. He's gonna be sleeping in that hyperbaric chamber at Connor's house. Yeah, that's what he's gonna be doing. I'm just gonna make his whole house one. That's what that'd be the move. He just walks around in there. It'd be great. Mm-hmm. Somebody Speaking wheels of, him around. I'll wheel him around. Pros. I wanted to, I didn't mention this before the podcast, but I forgot to, uh, how, what'd you guys think of Sportsnet and Rogers or the score putting out a, a loser's image of us? Can you, you imagine, upset, can you imagine if when the Leafs got bounced, they put up a Leafs logo that said Toronto maple <laughs> losers. Can you imagine like, what would have happened? What I, that's Dude, it's just not. more of the disrespect for this city and this team. That's what I didn't understand. Uh, like, that's what bothered me about it, I guess, to a point was they didn't do it for the Leafs. They didn't do it for the Flames. They didn't do it for any other team that's been eliminated, but then both the score and Sportsnet do it for the Oilers. And then when people started dunking on them, then they deleted their tweets today. It's yeah. just like, it's cowardly. That was my issue right there is deleting it. Like if you're going to do it, shoot your shot and let's go. You paid some money for some animation team to do that. You might as well get your bucks worth. But yeah, when, when we started making fun of it, then they, then they deleted it. It's like, no, no, you don't get to like, I put up the crying Jordan every game. I had that up seconds after they scored the overtime goal. Like that's just, that's just the way it goes. And if you want to be on that shtick, then be on that shtick. But don't back down now because Oilers fans um, came after you. Well, it's also a weird thing too. Like, it's a weird thing to troll one of your <laughs> one of your markets like that as the rights holder. Like, I, I tweeted at them after that tweet went out. I was just like, I look forward to when you lose the rights. And my tweet got so much interaction um, from just random Oilers fans and stuff. Just being like, yeah, the product shit. Like, blah blah blah. Like, it's a weird move. Like, I get it. You troll. Like. The amount of shit we were taking from Leafs and Flames fans last night, which I find odd, but <laughs> what is what it is. Like, you you get it, you take it, but 
that was a weird one. And then to delete it, like, what was that conversation like today? Did somebody from OEG call and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Or did they just look at the reaction and be like, oh, maybe we thought we were being funny and we weren't? I, I just think it's good that they're sitting here shitting on us now. And then October, they'll be like, Oilers fans, are you ready? Tonight, Sportsnet yeah. West, the season starts. They're like, oh, now you want us back. Hey, now you're talking about how good the, the Oilers have Stanley Cup aspirations for their home opener. And it'll be like, yeah, you're trying to draw us back in now. Losers. Like That's a good it's promo voice. Like, Thank it you. was a good promo voice. It's just like, if you're going to do it, do it for everybody. Otherwise yeah. it just looks weird. That's the weird. That was another weird element to it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I'm guessing that they have something planned or they had something planned before this for whoever lost the Eastern conference final as well. But um, you know, but, yeah, but I don't think like, I know they did. Oh man. It's dude. This I is strictly after the Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> I don't know. I believe. And if they did, I don't think there would be, the I don't think there would be oh. thousands of, uh, I think there'd be thousands of lightning fans giving a shit, to be honest. <laughs> Whoa, you're calling the lightning out? Jeez. Good I'm for just, you, I, no, I'm well, just saying the, Oilers fans are passionate. Yes. Well, it's not really surprising from the organization that got shown up blatantly by TNT when they were down here. Like I was, I went to the game on Saturday, walking through the Moss Pit. I'm like, what the fuck is this stage about? And all of a sudden, there's Wayne, there's Biz, and they're doing their broadcast right from the Moss Pit, right in the middle of the chaos. And I'm just thinking like... I wish we got to watch that broadcast because those guys seem to get what entertainment is and what it means to this city to be involved. Where Sportsnet, to me, they just mail it in. They, they mail it in. They have no interest in proving their product. Uh, Kevin Bieksa rules, and I hate to say it because it's weird. Uh, <laughs> Friedman rules, you know. But like, what are we talking about? Like, it, they just they they're they're comfortable. Eighty two games. Thing. 82 games in a season. And how many times do we get the same top 50 half an hour before the game instead of, you know, some sort of pregame yet there's hey. pregame for the least yet. There's, you know, it's, it's, they just take advantage of uh, the fact that people are going to turn on their station. I'm old enough to remember Oilers games getting blacked out and having to watch Leafs highlights or Leaf replays instead. So we're, we've come a long way, but we still got miles to go. Yeah. Um, weird move. But again, if you're, if you're going to troll, you might as well own it and not delete it. And everybody is screenshotting you looking like a coward right now. Yeah. So it is what it um, is. Uh, I want to give uh, before we move on, Tyler, yep. I'm going to give a shout out to our friends at Cornerstone Insurance. For 90 years and four generations, Cornerstone Insurance has been a family and employee-owned business right here in Edmonton with all the insurance products you could ever hope to have, auto, residential, commercial, life insurance, whatever you need, they got it for you. I promise. Check them out. Cornerstoneins.ca. Get a quote. If you're a citizen of the nation, there's a button right there for you. Click it and get a discount. Tyler? So I have a question for you guys before we get to ask the idiots or anything. Okay. Of the players who played in these playoffs... How many or who have played their final game in the orange and blue? My heart's broken. Bring up the roster. I hate to say it because I don't understand it and I don't get it. And it doesn't make sense to me from both a contract level and a production level and just where he's at in his career level. Yes, a Puliarvi, if that was his last game as an oiler, that is dumbfounding to me. Um, Two-sided though. Did he produce as much as maybe we wanted? Well, I'm going to get to what you just said in a second. Um, did he produce maybe as much as we wanted to down the stretch? No, but ultimately he does good things on the ice. And preventing goals 
is also an asset that the Oilers need. So yeah. if he's one of them that played their last game as an Oiler, I'm just, I'm super bummed out about it because I don't think it's the right call. Rick, what were you saying? I think it's going to be two-sided though. I think part of him is going to be wanting a fresh start somewhere else. I think he's, I think his confidence is, has taken a big hit here. And uh, it, it kills me to say it. But I think I was there last night and I think I was there for his last game as an Oiler. I agree that it's two-sided. I, I think they might just sit down and remember like this has not been a great relationship over the over his career. I think they might sit there and be like, so what do you want? Two years, two mil? And he might say, what a, you know, I think I might want to be somewhere else. And they might not push back hard on that. Like, I don't think if Pugliarvi and his agent went to them and are like, what's the trade market look like? I don't think Ken Holland would once again be like, come on, like, let me convince you to stay kind of thing. It just might not happen that way. I get that. Like I get wanting the uh, a fresh start. If that's from his perspective, I get all that, but like you can't keep trading players on a low end of their value. You can't keep doing it. And the Oilers have done it so many fucking times. It's just poor asset management. Yeah. Like Jesse, but you need to put, you need, you need to score. You need to hit the score sheet. I get that too. But like, yes, uh, we're hearing you. We'll work on this, but we need you to come back and we need you to be at your best because trading you right now makes zero sense from an asset perspective. So yeah, like the, the only way I can see them like winning any sort of trade like that is if you're getting, well, if, if you're getting, if there's a team out there who believes in them, right. And who's got their own sort of yes, a pull RV. And yeah, I mean, you cannot Eberly for Strom this thing. Even though that might have been a good trade if you were just that a might have bit been more good. Patient. In hindsight, fucking yeah. Strom for Spooner at at the very least. So, like, you know, are you doing? And I'm not. These are not. This is not me saying I would do these trades. So Tyler I don't want to do it. I, I don't want like a hundred people send, tweeting send me. Your, like, send your hatred to Tyler at OilersNation.com. Yeah. Random surveyor like, Brett on alert. Yep. Random accounts being like, oh, you fucking your M drug said he would trade. Pull your RV for Nicholas Wall. What a dipshit. It's like, no, okay. I'm just, these are some <laughs> pending RFA forwards who, if you're looking to swap, pull your RV for another young RFA forward, because that's the kind of deal maybe that would make sense. Um, some guys from here, we know they've been connected to Dominic Kubalik um, in Chicago. He scored 15 goals, pull your RV at 14. Lawson Krause would be a ton of fun. I think he's the kind of guy Ken Holland would probably like. So like, I think that's an interesting one. Although I don't think the value's there. Pavel Zaka out in Jersey, although he wants to be a center and the Oilers really don't need a centerman. Um, Who cares, man? Bring him in, baby. I love centers. I'd dress 12 centers up front if I could. Fair enough. Nicholas Roy or Wah in Vegas is an RFA. I, I can see him re-signing there though. Marty Natchez is an interesting one in Carolina because he's a center. That, or- even, that person doesn't even exist. He scored 14 goals in 78 games this year. So, you know, it's similar, not the same, a little worse production wise, but um, Dylan Strom in Chicago is someone they might not qualify. So scratch him off the list. You probably just sign him as a UFA. Um, and that's probably the end of like that range. But, you know, I, I could maybe see that kind of deal happening where the Oilers see an RFA on another team that they like. Pugliarvi says, I'll, I wouldn't be against a fresh start somewhere. And another team looks at the six foot four third overall pick who I think will one day be a 25 goal guy in this league. And I think other teams might believe that too. So that's why you can't like, you got to find a, Like you got to find a way. And 
if they managed to figure it out when he went back to Finland, I, I just like, I refuse to give up hope on, even if yes, is feeling not at his greatest, I guarantee he wasn't when they talked him into coming back this time, like trading an asset when it's depressed again, when he has the potential, like you said, to put, to go out, maybe score 20. I'm not even gonna say 25, 20. Like you need goals. You can't do what you did in 2017 where you're moving goals out of the lineup. Yep. You can't. Uh, okay. Who else we got? I'm looking at the so, Oilers roster right now. Josh Archibald. Fuck off. Yeah, uh, Broussard. Why did they even trade for him? I don't know. I don't get that trade. Kyle Turris. You gone. Um, the cowboy. That one's an interesting one. He's a good soldier. I, think I, don't he think had, he, I don't think he changed teams. I think he's either here or he's a full-time play. cowboy or he's, or he's in Calgary goes right back to the other side of the BOA. Right, because if they lose like a good Branson or whoever they have on their back end, like he's still, I love, I love him as a serviceable seventh D man. Can play either side, throw him in the lineup whenever you need him. He's at uh, see. So the the thing with these vets that I always watch for is like how close are they to a thousand games? And Russell's nine hundred at nine hundred twelve games. So your Emchuk math, he's eighty eight games away. He might pack it in. I wouldn't be stunned if he packed it in. Yeah. Because that would be like based on how much he plays these days, that's probably three more years for him. Yeah, to yep. get there, and he's thirty-five. Like he's had a good uh, career. He's he's made some money, hasn't he? Like that's uh, his career earnings are thirty-one point nine million. Like you can buy yourself a nice ranch with that. Yeah, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the one that I'm most concerned about, just because I think man, he's been so good as Brett Kulak. Yeah. I hope that wasn't his last game as an Oiler because if they can get him signed at a reasonable deal, he's a hometown boy. Like everything about the story works. It makes the cost of acquisition seem like nothing if they can get him re-signed. I love the way he plays. So he's one that I hope is not. I think he sticks around. I, yeah. I don't think the team allows him to go to leave. So my especially, thing with- especially knowing that Darnell's probably not ready for the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's big. You have Kulak here. You've got someone you you feel comfortable with taking on extra minutes. I think he's here next year. So my thing with that, I keep hearing people throw like, oh, yeah, you'll get him cheap. You'll get him cheap. And you could argue he was their best defenseman in these playoffs. I like I saw Stoffer on his show, which maybe this means there's truth to it was like four years, two million bucks. It's like, gee, yeah, sign, give them eight right years now. at two million dollars. I would, I'll find, a, I'll go to Radio Shack. I'll find a Radio Shack and buy a fax machine to make yeah. that work right now. I don't think that's going to be it. My question to you guys, if the cost is the CC deal, four years, 3.25 per, do you sign Kulak to that? 3.25. Probably. I, I would try to make it work, but I think I would also too. like. I would also try, I would try to make it work, but I'm also looking at another guy like Evan Bouchard. I want the cleft bomb deal on him this summer. Every day. He ain't, he ain't going to get, he's not getting cheaper. He well, has no. to be, he has to want to sign that cleft bomb deal too, though. Right? Like we 100%. can sit here and want to give it to him, but he's got to sit there and go, you know what? I, I don't see him doing that. I think it's a two year bridge. And then you get your fucking oh, big one. Once oh. we get into the, uh, well, if once we get into the, year- if they're doing a two-year bridge, it can only be one because they they have to learn from the Darnell Nurse situation. Yeah, and I, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I truly believe they will. I mean, the two-year bridge has been almost a thing for, you know, five, eight, ten years now. Nurse, you know, that was that was dumb on, on, on the Oilers for not making the, uh, the big contract at that point. But, no, I can see it being two. And then what, what are we right now, 22, 23 going into? 
that takes us to 25. 20, and that's right when the salary cap goes up. No. Yeah. 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 So the other yeah, name, so I think that's yeah, right there. The other name I'm interested to see if they move is Tyson Berry because I've because even heard again, some media members have said he's the full-time power play QB next year. And he took away some shifts even in game four from Barry on the power play to start. Um, I I'd be interested to see if they move Barry. I think Barry played well enough down the stretch and in the playoffs that there's value there. Um, even at four and a half million, I think you'll, you'll find teams interested in him. Cause he's only got two more years. Yeah. Also, like it's not like a you, crazy long term on it, but you got to find a spot for Broberg. So I think what Broberg, I think they don't mind as a righty. And that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Like I could see moving on from Barry to utilize that money, bringing in Broberg. I really don't know what they're going to do with Nima Linen. Can be your seventh defenseman next year. I don't, I don't think Is that a spot for the guy for, for a young, like a young player like that. Yeah, maybe I, not. If my preference, and obviously I don't know anything about anything, but my preference for Nima Linen would be like, cause he finished the season hurt down in Bakersfield. Yeah. Big minutes, top pairing down there. Yeah, that'd be nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fully behind that. So, but I yeah. mean, there's he's bringing things to this team that they might be a little too juicy to uh, to do the smart thing and keep him Baco. Like you're, you're gonna like what he can do on that ice when he comes to just you know eliminating players as they come across the blue line. We've seen that might just be a little too enticing for this. Uh, this organization to leave him down there for a little bit longer. Yeah, maybe. Oh, so another one. Obviously, we've seen his last game, and I want to wish him well. Miko Koskinen's already reportedly oh. signed over in Europe uh, for next season. So, Miko, you know what? Thank you. Thanks, Bo. It uh, that contract was. I know it was a sticking point for a lot of people, but I would have signed it too. And I always think about that when people talk about people's contracts. That's a Shirelli issue. Miko, you gave us everything you could. Uh, enjoy Switzerland. Uh, that's a hell of a place to go after the NHL. It's going to be beautiful. Probably. You can bop around, you know, I think so. I, I love that you brought this up because I think we do. We got to give some stick taps to Miko, like a big thank you. The contract. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we would all, we would all sign that deal, baby. Um, and oh, he I'd... oftentimes was just asked to do so much more than he should have been. If he made one and a half million dollars and was saddled behind a true number one, he'd be considered one of the best backups in the NHL. Cause we saw it. He comes in for like these little two, three game stretches and it's like, damn, he's good. And then when they play him 11, 12 games, it's like, Oh my God, now the wheels are falling off. And like, if he would have just been used properly, his reputation here would have been a lot different. He just never should have been tasked or paid like a one a. Well, well, and I'm, also to have a, you said to have a bona fide starter in front of you, but also a starter that just stays healthy, Yeah, you know, for, like you said, with Smith or with Smith and, and replacing him, he was having to come in for stretches of 12 games, not three or four, you know, where he's having a good run. So yeah, I, I agree completely. It's, it's nobody's it's nothing. No, neither of you guys have said, but it's just like the book on Miko was don't play him too much. Don't play him too much. Don't play him too much. And then often the others would end up going 10, 11, 12 in a row with him. And then people would be like, Whoa, what the fuck's going on with Miko? Well, it's, we know what's going on with Miko. And you know what? I'm glad that his last appearance with the Oilers was in this series against Colorado. And he looked damn good. He did. did it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, interesting quotes as we're talking about goaltending from Daniel Nugent Bowman. Uh, when asked if he can come back next season to be the starter, Mike Smith says, I have no idea at this point and added, it'll be a lot more difficult than in past years to get ready for an upcoming season. Um, Take that as you wish. We moved on. We moved on from the Miko thing too quickly. 
Um, I want to play him out with I Will Remember You by Sarah McLaughlin. Please. Yes. I will remember you. Waz, <laughs> if you could just throw some highlights over this. Yep. Uh, off into the sunset. Play the specific clips I want, get a couple of really nice glove saves, and then get that game where they scored four goals on four shots. <laughs> that was... That was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. Like, God damn it, man. And he was a warrior. Like everything I've heard from people in the know is that like they loved him in the room. Like he was really well liked by his teammates. Um, and I think they respected that he was even thrown into like shitty situations a lot. Of course. I I just want to give him a shout out. He helped. He came to and he showed up to a uh, nation event with all the Finns. And, you know, we don't see a lot of players do that, but he came on his own time and had dinner with all the Finns and made everybody feel like a rock star. So he's away from the ice. Great. I guy. will also yeah. say, Miko, shout out to you for not being phased by Tyler Remchuk in Los Angeles when he dropped a one liter, one liter of cola right in front of you and it blew up all over himself. It's on me, phased, Miko. Never forget when Connor called him the unsung hero of the team at All-Star break. Yep. God damn. That's the question. All right. Well, that's probably that's enough. That's the question. Oh, there you go. Miko Koskinen. Uh, we wish you well, pal. Yep. Didn't you expect well. us to do that for five minutes, but we did. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and we still got some other business to attend to. So let's move on for our friends at Ask the Idiots. We got... Uh, what do I got here? Two questions for Ask the Idiots for our friends at Buster's Pizza today. Check out busterspizza.ca. You know, if you're anything like my house, I haven't bought groceries in three weeks because I never knew when I was going to be home. So maybe it's a Buster's Pizza night for you as well. First question. I'm going to flip this over here. I'm looking at Tyler first. Tyler, you're up first. Who's the best Oilers player to wear your favorite slash go-to jersey number? And which Oiler was your favorite who wore it? Uh, for him, it's Pat Maroon because his favorite number was 19. Honorable mention to Justin Schultz. No no respect for Schultz in this question. And no respect for Miko. Miko. We just talked about. <laughs> Miko's wearing uh, it right now. <laughs> I When I was a kid, I started 91. wearing 89 all the time just because I loved Sam Gagne. So that's my answer. I don't even know who else has worn 89. Here? Yeah. Uh, Mike Comrie? Nobody? Rob Shrimp. Arnett, oh, no. He wore 88. Mike Comrie and Gagne. There you go. So 89 there. There you have it. Uh, Rick. Who's the best player to wear your favorites number for the others? That's the Deaconin. I wore 10 as much as I possibly could growing up. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one for me. Uh, I was also going to say 10 because, I mean, confession, I grew up loving Pavel Bure when I was a kid and he was number 10. Uh, hey, if you're, if you're not old enough <laughs> to know how good he was, that's on you. That's not on me. I was like he 10. Used to, he used to destroy us, man. Yeah. Um, Honorable mention for the other tens, uh, Sean Ilya Biakin, Ilya Biakin, Ryan Smith, according to this website, Pat mm-hmm. Falloon, for a short while, yeah, Steve Kelly, Marius Tchaikovsky, uh, Yaroslav Puzar, yeah, shout out to original Puzar, um, and Matty Hagman. <laughs> oh, I did not Who's know the last one, Matty Hagman. Played That's got to be like early 80s, 80, 81, yeah, played uh, 75 yeah. games one year. Scored four goals in nine playoff games in 8081. Shout out to Matty Hagman. Also, Tyler, uh, number 89 could have been your favorite number from the time in 2020 when William Lagason briefly wore it. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Dan? I love this game. Dan, who you got? 
Uh, well, my my number that I was given because I was a chunky boy was number three, and that kind of just stuck with me throughout uh, throughout my time. But of course, that nobody else has worn that other than Al Hamilton, who has his number retired into the rafters. Um, so my football number was fifty six, which I share with Timu Hardikainen and Kyler Yamamoto. So there you go. I have boring numbers: number three and number fifty. <laughs> I love looking at old jersey number names. Number three is a good defenseman number. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great defenseman That's, yes. number. Number, number two is exclusive stuff. to shut down D men, too. There you go. Love that little Jim Vandermeer action in your life. Shout out to the Jim Vandermeer. Um, so my favorite number was 10, but like which oiler was my favorite to wear it? No, Yakubov. Come on. Or, or maybe Chris Weidman. Huh? <laughs> Joachim Nygaard. Come on. And if you want to hear more from Chris Weidman, subscribe to the Suitcase and the Scribe podcast where he will be appearing tomorrow. Not a joke. He just resigned a deal, didn't he? Yeah, he just got a two-year deal in Montreal. He like went over to... Well, oh, because he was in the cab. <laughs> Never mind. We're going to get way too off topic. Chris Weidman. Who hit the referee from behind? Was that another Weidman? That was Dennis Weidman. Weidman. That's uh, right. Dennis Weidman. Mm-hmm. Uh, different spelling on the name, I believe, as well. Uh, How can you spell Weidman differently? Yeah, Rick. <laughs> uh, I'm a Wiedemann, not a Weidman. Uh, another jersey number I'm thinking about just uh, as we're working through this and I'm looking, I wore 17 a lot growing up and there was no specific reason. I was just given it by the team and looking at Yari Curry, obviously, hell of an oiler, but uh, honorable mention to Rem the Gem Murray. Yeah. Is Mr. Did he wear 17? No. Uh, according no. to this, 16, Cam maybe. Connor... Yari um, Curry, Scott Thornton, and Rem Murray were 18 or 17 for the others. Oh, Ace Mister oh, was 15. My bad. Sorry, Brad. I know you're a big listener. Also, scored Alex a big Petrovic. goal in 06. He did score a big goal in 06. Also, shout out to Alex Petrovic, who uh, <laughs> this is, played. This Ask the Idiot question just Budget. disseminated it into. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number two. This one's going to be a little bit tough. So I'm going to give you guys some think. Time to think about it. And while you do, I'm going to talk more Jersey numbers. Uh, Dan, I'm going to start with you. What was your favorite goal of the season? Or what was the favorite Sally of the season? Oh my God. That's why I'm going to give you some time to think about it. Other Jersey numbers that I very much enjoy. How about number 12? I also wore number 12. I think I wore that in novice. So I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Mike Bishai. If you know Mike Bishai, you probably know about him fighting in the benches. I play Shinny yep. brother. What a good game that was. Shout out to Colby Cave. Also wore number 12. I wore that one for a little bit. I also wore... What number did I wear in junior? I wore 20 in junior. So uh, Slater Cuckoo. Oh, there's another guy that we'll probably see in the last of. No? I kind of forgot he was yeah. on the team. What's he, <laughs> what you doing, Slater Cuckoo? Didn't they give him a two-year deal? <laughs> I don't know where he's at. I forgot he existed. Uh, Shout out to Slater Cuckoo. Sean Van Allen also wore number 20. I like huh? it. Boris Mironov apparently wore it for a hot minute in 94. Shout out to Bobo. Bobo. Jason uh, Chimera. Come on. All kinds of great others. Dan, you got a favorite goal from the season? Uh, yeah, I was going back to the, it came, comes from the Oilers and Rangers uh, game on Kevin Lowe yeah. retirement night. Hell yeah. uh, the, the overtime goal in that one was just so special and just so exciting. And it was such a cool game to be a part of and watch. So yeah, I, I'll go with the overtime goal there. And then the celebration has to be one of two Connor of Connor McDavid's slides out either against LA or Calgary. That just to me, you know, to have your best player, have that one guy beat that team 
and uh and he went and did his slide for it so yeah those are that'd be my favorite selling another honorable mention for number 20 david oliver huh? <laughs> like Come it on. Tyler, do you got a favorite goal from this past season? Um, I mean, that Connor goal on that night against the Rangers was just so yeah, magical, right? And his celebration there where he was in disbelief that it happened is like, that's just an all-timer, man. Sure. Like, that's so good. That's always going to be one of those, like, where were you kind of games uh, for Oilers fans. And then how could you not say the OT winner against Calgary as well, right? Like, come on, come on. That's historic. That's going to be like, I'm going to get a canvas of that and hang it everywhere in my house. Thinking about that Rangers goal, not only was the goal amazing and the celebration amazing, but I'm also thinking back to uh, Jack Michael's call where the can you believe it, but his voice cracks in the middle of it. <laughs> Lots to love about that one. Uh, Rick, your favorite goal from this past season? Well, it's pretty much carbon copy to that, but it was the Winnipeg goal when he mm -hmm. goes through everybody in the Jets and the celebration. There was nothing better than Connor and Devin Shore in the hallway. Ah. Oh, yeah, 100%. Absolutely. And again, if you haven't seen the video Gene Prince Bay posted from that goal in the hallway where he comes off and then Connor walks into the dressing room and somebody uh, yells, it's about time you did something. I fucking love that. That's that's good shit. Um, nobody's favorite number was 60, was it? In honor of Marcus Granlin? Tyler, maybe? Hey, you, oh, what was our line with Granlin? Dry toast. Dry toast. <laughs> dry <Yeah>. toast. <laughs> oh, man. I would love, maybe that's a summer project. We got to compile like our best running bits for players because <laughs> Granlin dry toast was, that was peak shit. That was good. Uh, trying to think about my favorite goal is of the season. It's just, I feel like there's been, there's been some beauties that I just can't remember right now. Um, it's not that it was a sexy goal or anything, but Leon, he was obviously hurt when he scored his 50th, uh, scored it from his office. That one was a cool one. Um, McDavid against Calgary though. And Chris Cuthbert's call to go along with it. Game winner, series winner. And then he comes flying out to center to celebrate with his teammates. Another one that I loved, uh, I shit on him a little bit earlier in the podcast. So I'm going to give him some love right now. The Mike Smith long pass out to Connor on the OT on the, on in San Jose, I think. Um, oh. that one was a beauty. I don't know. Or the, a, the pass to Leon. There was just a lot of fun goals this year. Yeah, this you, team's got so much skill. Yeah. Um, Kane Hattricks. I know that's not just one goal, but the guy just filled the net for the Oilers. And it was fun to see his celebrations where he's doing the hat off thing or when he scored in LA and he's doing the game seven thing. That was a fun celebration for me. Seven I goals. I think that was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah of course. Seven he celebrated seven goals. Discourse. Uh, the, the, sometimes I just, I, I think the Oilers could use a little bit of that cockiness. So I liked seeing some of those Vander Kane. Like when Leon Rangers. told the Rangers it's coming. Yep. <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, also big shout out to my favorite number, uh, number 92 and Thomas Yurko. Yurko or Yurkcho? <laughs> uh, you know, whatever. Uh, yep. Fuck, where's yep. he at? Well, I feel like we need to stop doing this because this is just a good summer podcast. Okay. Uh, one last one. Uh, number 91 for Gaetan Haas. Shout out to Gaetan Haas, wherever you are. I, still I wish you were here to Insta. see it, pal. Magnus. Didn't Magnus? Yeah, Magnus did as well. Yep. And uh, Mike Comrie version 2.0, I believe. I believe so. Well, we maybe even um, Peter Nedved? He's 92. Mm, Peter Nedved, we're 93. 93. Pre-Nuge. Wow. Drake Kajula also wore number 91. Come on. 
All right. Uh, so there you go. Those are your two Ask the Idiots questions for our friends at Buster's Pizza. I mean, we we extended that plug, Buster's Pizza, and you can't say we didn't, <laughs> even though there was only two questions. Uh, so who gets the GC here, boys? There's only two options for you. Favorite player to wear your jersey number or just your the favorite goal from this past season? Tyler. Jersey number one. That's that's going to give us lots of summer content. We're just going to have a whole favorite episode goal. where we just read them. Jersey oh. number well, there you go. Rick is the tiebreaker. Jersey winner gets it. So Trav, congratulations to you. I will reach out to you post-podcast and get you a gift card from our friends at Buster's Pizza. All right, let's wrap it up. Hot cold performance for our friends at Twig and Berries. If you go to twigandberries.ca, use the promo code NATION15. You'll get a discount on your order. Who doesn't want some fresh undies at a cheaper price? I know I do. I know Dan does. And by the way, I'm looking at some of their ODR hoodies. It's always hoodie season in Edmonton. Go check out our friends at Twig and Berries, be it online or in St. Albert at their shop as we do. Let's, uh, since we just did this a couple of days ago, let's just wrap up the Western Conference Finals with the hot and cold performers here uh, this time around. So we'll do it a little bit different. Nation Dan, we're starting with you, your Twig and Berries cold performer of the week. Nathan Raymond McKinnon is going to get my cold performer of the week for what the way he behaved in this series. It went unnoticed for the most part by the referees, but I noticed it. And I used to be one of your biggest fans and you lost me, Nathan. So Nathan, Raymond, McKinnon, you get my Twig and Berries cold performer of the conference finals. That's a joke. That's an absolute joke is what it is. Also, last night I tweeted out McKinnon is a filthy hockey player and the official CCM account liked the tweet just now. <laughs> I find that interesting. Uh, Rick, you're up next. Your Twig and Berries cold performer of the week. You know what? It's kind of going to piggyback on Dan's there, but listen, those guys in stripes are paid to uh, call that stuff. And we see it go one way, not called the other way. I watched the stupid, um, the knee on, on uh, Hyman there far too many times here in the last three minutes. The NHL has got to fix this, man. That's all. What the hell is going on? I wouldn't hold my breath on them fixing anything. Tyler, Absolutely not. <laughs> you are Twig and Barry's cold for me. I, I, those are the big two. Like, I'm just going to piggyback on the McKinnon one. Like, dude, you could be one of the best players in the world. Um, after he this, is. after, well, you are one of the best players in the world after this series, though. I'm willing to say you're not the best player on your own team, though. And your antics were just kind of borderline embarrassing at points. So yeah, Nate, Matt, cold performer. We have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived. Again, it's like I said earlier in the podcast, Kale McCarr, he didn't have to do any of that stuff. His nah, skill stood good. on its own and he's a hell of a hockey player. So Avalanche fans, they've got a real gem in that guy. Um, yeah. Uh, my my Twig and Berry's cold performer of the week. You guys picked Nathan McKinnon. So I'm going to pick Gabriel Landeskog after he goes on a whining <laughs> rant post game three about how when you're a kid, you grow up not hitting guys in the numbers, blah, blah, blah. What does he do the very next game? The exact same play and then lays on the ice for whatever reason. Popped up magically right after that, though. I can't believe that happened. So Gabriel Landeskog, cold performer of the week. I'm upset. I am upset. Flipping the ledger. Tyler, you're up first. 
Twig and Berry's Hot Performer of the Week. Hot Performer of the Week is going to go to number 97. This was a playoff run from Connor McDavid that we will talk about for decades and decades and that will live in history books forever. How good was Connor McDavid? He got an Instagram post from Champagne Poppy, Drake, who I called the most popular or the most famous musician in the world. Um, And some people didn't like that. And I suppose (laughs) it may not be totally accurate, but whatever. Anyways, Drake gave McDavid some love on his Instagram post saying 97 is so different and boy is he ever and he was a difference maker and i'm just so happy that he plays here pour it on although i will say uh a bonus twig and berry's cold performer of the week goes to drake for saying that because we all know about the drake curse don't think i forgot about it to be fair he posted it after they lost so he waited all right all right aubrey i'll give you a pass uh nation dan your twig and berry's hot performer of the week uh my twig and berry's hot performer of the week is going to go to uh, I'm just going to do it again. The little guy in the stands, um, you know, Ben, you were there for this team. Sorry. The team didn't, uh, didn't finish the job, but, uh, you were able to rally this crowd. All of us were in the building and we heard how crazy the building went every time that video of you saying play La Bamba baby played. And so for me, uh, Ben Stelter, you get my hot performer of the playoffs. He's a hot guy. Uh, I just like, he was at game three and when they showed him up on the big screen, the place just went bananas. And uh, I loved it. Uh, I I love that one from you, Dan. Uh, who do I got now? Oh, Rick, your Twig and Berry's hot form of the week. It's cheesy, but the season's all done. I'm giving it the entire, the entire team. It's been a hell of a run. I've taken a, all my insights have taken a beating the last six weeks. I'm pretty sure you can tell through my voice what it's been like. It's been a hell of a run, a lot of fun, but hey, but the, you just got to give it out to them. We'll give them a standing ovation, those guys right now. This is why I'm hot. I'm hot because I'm fly. You ain't because you not. I'm going to go. My hot performer of the week is getting extended beyond that. It's just every Oilers fan that really embraced the run and had a great time with it. I had, you know, there was a time earlier in the season back in January, December, when the Oilers were two and 13 and whatever it was, and it didn't look like the playoffs were possible. And to rebound from that and just the crowds at Rogers place, the Moss pit, the outside, the, uh, what's it called? The alumni room or whatever it is, yeah. uh, during the interviews, even last night, the MVP chance would not stop for Connor. So hot performer of the week goes to every Oilers fan that just really embraced this run, had the best possible time. And like Rick probably didn't eat a vegetable over the last six weeks. Uh, the bodies took a punishment, but now it's time to recover. Not long until the season gets going again. So all of you get my hot performer of the week. It's here, 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 here. Good one. Yep, that was fun. Aw, oh, Dan. Government name. I haven't done that in a long time. Sorry, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a minute. Uh, I better remember to edit that. Like, at least I'll, I'll message afterwards. At least 120 episodes since I did my last government name. So, we yep. should have like a sign in the background in the studio days since we government should. name drop. Yep. 100%. Oh, that'd be a good one. I wonder how long it's been. I wonder how long it's been. Oh, well, literally seconds. All right, everybody. There you go. Uh, Any final thoughts on the Western Conference finals or the playoffs as a whole before we shut this down? I just want to say a huge thanks to you three um, and everybody that listens to this, because I think that 
um, you know, it's this, this helps keep me sane and this helps keep me grounded and being able to banter with you guys and having people listen to us for 203 episodes is uh, crazy to me. Still is. Yeah. I just, I'm the same, like just looking at the numbers from this playoff run and the amount of new listeners we got and things like that. I hope you all stay around because this podcast gets a little weird in the off season, but it's a lot of fun Um, and stick around. And I'm really happy for all the diehards who've been listening since day one, all the people who came on during this run. Like I always say this podcast is my absolute favorite one to do every week because it's just four guys shooting the shit about the Edmonton Oilers. And that's uh, that's the best part about this job. So this was a blast. We got to do so many bonus episodes during this playoff run which is awesome and uh we're gonna we're gonna keep this thing rolling we beat the record of one <laughs> our high score right we get new high we score get ne- we get next tuesday off i don't know well, what we're gonna we were do gonna have like a we were gonna have a conversation about that because the numbers on the podcast are fantastic so really it's a group decision um, no, we gotta i gotta keep watching hockey is that what you're trying to say nope <laughs> Not no, necessarily. just stick through. <laughs> we'll talk friendly. to old Oilers now. <laughs> no, because I've got a lot of 90 day fiance on my PVR that needs to be attended. And I think that's going to be the plans for the next little bit. So this podcast is going to get weird. We're going to talk about it as a group about what everybody wants to do, but who knows? Because the bonus episodes have been fun. It's just been, I find too in season that sometimes doing it only once a week, things just get a little bit old. Mm-hmm. Um, things happen on things happen Friday night. After we do our show, uh, yes. yeah, and you you guys obviously got to talk about it, right? You do a couple a couple other pods in between, and then like you know a full fucking week goes by. I'm like, hey guys, can we talk? I know you guys are smoking out to like nauseum to the end, but I still have something to say. So yeah, no, yeah. I, I I would I would like to do this uh, two times all 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 year next year. Like we talked about it a little bit in our uh, content meeting this morning about. Maybe just what would that look like? But we'll take that offline. Let us know if you want us to yes. keep going twice a week. Hit us up, ON Radio Podcast, or email Tyler at OilersNation.com. Just let them know your thoughts. Um, we're going to take them to heart as we move forward. It's been fun to do two a week mm-hmm. of these, and uh, I could absolutely see us continuing with that. But that'll be a discussion for another day. For our friends at DoorDash, Oodle Noodle, Cornerstone Insurance, Buster's Pizza, and Twig and Berries, I want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for riding with us throughout the playoffs. I know it's disappointing today, but fuck me. We have a good time over the last six weeks. I hope you can kind of reflect on that and enjoy it even when the sadness subsides a little bit. Uh, So for Rick, Tyler, Nation Dan, I'm Bag Milk. This is Oilers Nation Radio episode 203. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week. Shout out all the listeners. Thanks for listening to Oilers Nation Radio delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and give us a follow on Twitter and Instagram. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.